Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Stain SEL Connected in Sac City. Candace Evans is here. Hello, Candace. Happy New Year, my C. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy New Year to you. I am also joined this week by our colleague, Africa Full Love, who is also here with her very special guest, Miriam Goff. All right. Thank you, Miriam and Africa, for being here with us today. Thank you for having me and having us. Yeah, our pleasure. So before we get into our conversation this week, uh, Candace has something fun for our guests. Candace? Yes, of course. So, Miriam, we're going to uh, play a little get-to-know-you game, and it's what we call our lightning round. And so I am going to ask you a series of questions. You have exactly 10 seconds to answer as many questions as you can. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> and look, I'm not going to start the timer until after I ask the first question. Okay. Deal. Favorite color? Orange. Summer or winter? Summer. Are you a vegetarian if you eat animal crackers? No. Beach or lake? Say again, lake? Cake or pie? Pie. Oh my goodness. You like, uh, she did good too, Micey. She like answered all of the questions. Wow. That's like, oh my goodness. They normally don't, I, they I, normally don't answer all the questions. No, that's a first, Miriam. <laughs> wow. You, you okay. get the, the champion lightning round uh, award. I like getting awards. So <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> I saw you flexing before you started. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. were stretching. Ready to yeah, go. You were ready to go. <laughs> Awesome. I think we um, all know and understand that distance learning has been um, challenging and downright difficult for everyone. <clears throat> and one of the most impacted groups has been our students with disabilities mm -hmm. and the teachers and service su uh, providers supporting them. To that end, um, we recognize the importance and the need to lift up and share the voices of our special educators. And um, today we really have a wonderful opportunity to check in with Miriam, a very, very dear friend and colleague. Um, Miriam is a veteran teacher in Sac City who has taught both the elementary and middle and has served as a behavior intervention specialist, um, supporting students, colleagues, administrators really across our system um, with best practices that support positive behavior interventions for students. And after serving um, in her role as BIS for several years, Miriam returned to her love and passion of teaching um, in the classroom space and currently serves as a special educator at Cal Middle School, and more specifically as an inclusive educator, a case manager, a co-teacher, um, all in eighth grade English language arts. Miriam, have I missed anything? No. Okay, just no, wanted to check and see. 
Yeah. No, um, you got it all. <laughs> of course. So, you know, of course, I'm just really appreciative that you're here with us and have um, agreed to just have this discussion. And so really first, I wanted to check in and see how you're doing. Oh, how? Well, it's a great way to end the day with you guys. I'll tell you that right now. It's been a long week doing as well as we can keep doing in the space that we're in right now. So doing well. How are you keeping yourself sane during this pandemic? Okay, well, one of the things is definitely, you know, trying to make time for myself and my family and turning work off when I need to turn it off. And so then, you know, making sure I'm getting out for a run or a walk or even just um, right now our family has our family reading time. Personally, I build a lot of Legos, a lot <laughs> of Legos. And so making the time for that, because there was a while there and I didn't build for like, oh my goodness, a while. And so just trying to have time to do those things um, to keep myself balanced, because otherwise it's just easy to, to get kind of stuck going in one thing, one way all the time and not finding that balance. You know, when I'm talking and sharing, it's easy to kind of sugarcoat everything. And yet it's a real challenge. And one of the main things that's really been supporting me is just the time with my family and the support of my husband who has recognized that my work has changed and, and, and how that balance is working is something I'm still working on and really supporting during that time. And my children who have also, you know, as they're experiencing all these changes, I have a 14 year old and a 10 year old. Um, they've been really understanding of their mom as well, who is just learning how to do things differently. So the managing has been difficult, but it's really, um, I think, been supported by the time and focus that I have right now, just being with my family all the time and um, what they're able to bring. Yeah, I think um, that is really important because, you know, everyone in our particular system is experiencing this um, space of being at home with family doing work in school. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we often don't reflect on, or, you know, it, it's, um, we don't think about the impact that that might have on, you know, us in particular, but, you know, our, our, our spouses or our partners or our children and just recognizing that they are too going through this, this thing um, alongside us and that, you know, you really begin to lean on, on each other. So I, I think it's really important um, to lift that up and to thank the, the folks closest to you and hug them and love them because that's how we keep ourselves going. So we'll shift. And now let's really kind of mm -hmm. talk a bit more about distance learning. Um, as a teacher who serves and supports students with IEPs, um, how have things been? Well, I... I think that they've, there's definitely been ups and there's been downs. So I think that it's been as good as it can be in the situation that we're in. It 
definitely looking for ways to grow as an educator and grow as a special educator and really just like trying to focus on what I can do rather than the things that I can't control or I'm not able to do. So um, I don't know if that quite answered your question entirely, but you asked how it's been, but. Yeah. You know, I think that the answer is what it is. And what I hear in that is um, really this idea of celebrating the small successes, being mindful of the things that are within your um, sphere of control, right? Because there's so much that we don't have control of. Absolutely. It's been a struggle to meet everybody's needs. And yet that's something that I still strive to do and challenge. The great news is I have a fantastic co-teacher at Cal. We've been teaching together for a long time and he's really been supportive as well, where it's, it's not something that I'm just doing alone. Like when we're in our ELA class, we really are collaborating and thinking about the student needs and keeping the needs of our students with IEPs in mind, as well as our general education students. And so that's one thing that's been fantastic is the fact that I don't feel like I'm in it alone. And I've also got such a great team at Cal um, just in general. And that's been helpful because I think right now it can be easy to feel alone sometimes. And I think sometimes even our students feel alone. And so trying to remind them that they're not alone, we're here and having each other around us and our colleagues. So that's, that's one thing that's been a strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, So what I hear is definitely like looking for ways to continue to strengthen the relationship that you have with your co-teaching partner. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know that you lean on each other to Mm -hmm. plan and to support all of the learning learners that, um, you know, are within your reach and also kind of thinking about how to stay, how to model that connection for your students. Right. Because that's, that's part of keeping that consistency for them. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I know your students show up for your co-teaching partnership. Right. Um, And just to see you two together and still plenty. They definitely do. They definitely do. Well, we try. I think so. (laughs) I think they do. We've had some fun videos. I mean, I think that's a big thing is trying, you know, definitely trying to, have students show up has been a challenge, especially for our students with additional needs, just because sometimes the technology in itself can be difficult and you're trying to manage it on your side. So sometimes even getting them connected. But I do think that I think we have a good number of students that that show up, you know, just for the fun, the Veloft show, as we call yes. it. Cause it's, <laughs> and, and then we try to get some learning in there, too. And, and so, yes. Yeah. Um, so kind of building on that. Right. And so we've mm-hmm. talked about those challenges and where you're seeing um, just the importance of that relationship between you and your co-teaching partner and modeling that for your students. But as we kind of think more about, you know, case management and, mm-hmm. um, you know, really being mindful, and intentional around deadlines and compliance mm-hmm. and IEP goals, um, what are some challenges that you're having or encountering in supporting that process? The time is always a challenge. You know, as a special education teacher, it's you really do have the two roles, the two hats, and you can't let one take over everything. If I'm spending, you know, all of my time focused on the instruction and doing everything there, but letting the IEP case management fall aside, then 
I'm, I'm feeling because then there's not that there's not that record of documentation and measurable growth that can follow to the next year and having the track of everything wonderful you're doing. Similarly, if I'm so focused on the case management, making sure that all the paperwork and everything looks amazing, then I might be letting things slide instructionally that I need to make sure are getting focused to make sure that we're meeting those IEP goals. So that balance is something that is a a constant challenge. And to minimize that and say that it's easy, it's, it's just not true. It's not easy. And it's always adjustments. So the biggest thing for myself that I have to do is like, I really have to be clear and schedule my time. And then I have to be true to my time for whatever I've scheduled. So like we have our prep period that is for our planning and our instruction. And that is what that is for. And that is where we're focused on that planning and instruction. And I'm really focused on that. Then I have other portion of my time that is focused on that case management part. And I'm, I'm staying true with that. That's where I'm doing. And of course, there's other time where it might be for, you know, I might be spending more time with the parent contact or doing the case management, more time there. But those times that I have secured, I have to really stay true to that. The other thing is just having a calendar and schedule for myself. So I know that, you know, I'm going to get my meeting notices for the next three weeks done on this day and holding myself accountable. And then if for some reason, like I don't, then I know I need to make that up in my time because I didn't do it during that time, like for whatever reason. And so that's been one thing that's been, been helpful for me is just really being clear about my use of time and being thoughtful and recognizing that I do have two roles and they are both important and they're complementary. What I'm doing with the IEP paperwork has a place. Those goals, that's what ties into the instruction. And then when I'm planning my instruction, I'm thinking about the accommodations that we have in that paperwork or the goals that we're addressing. They really do go together. So I think once you can see how they're connected and once it's like, all right, it, that does make it easier. Yeah. So I that resonates with me, of course, um, you know, having been there and, and experienced that. And so yes. like two things I want to lift up is really that word balance, right? And that mm -hmm. is the struggle kind of, yes, that is the struggle, finding that balance in those dual roles, because either of them could take over your day at any moment. And so um, the reflections you're offering really are valuable for, you know, our fellow um teachers, special educators, because you have to hear that. Um, it can often feel like a world of isolation when you're not able to check mm -hmm. in with folks. And so just really hearing those really actionable things that people can do around like owning and honoring that time for those roles, calendaring it. And, um, and so thank you for that. I think those are really wonderful offerings. And um, we'll transition and move further just a bit Mm -hmm. um, and talk about successes that you're experiencing, like what's going well during this time? Uh, well, um, I, I, I smile here because there are some successes and it's hard. It's hard sometimes. So I'm glad you're bringing it up because it's hard sometimes to see the successes. First off is there are just small successes, like even just having a student to turn on a camera for their first time. And being able to like see a student that, you know, you've been teaching for a while, but you haven't seen them 
for the first time, like that is such a success. And oh my goodness, it, it, it seriously, it, it makes me so happy. There are also successes for some of our students, specifically some of our students with IEPs. Some of them are really thriving and flourishing right now because they're not experiencing the distractions. This is what they're reporting to me that they experience in the classroom. Like they're able to just focus on the teacher and focus on what they need to do. And it's clear. And and that makes sense. Whereas others might not be experiencing that, that is the situation for some of our students. So when I'm seeing that personal growth in our students, that's really inspiring. Um, the other thing is just like as an educator, you know, I've been doing this a while, I'm kind of an old lady here, but there's always room for growth. And I'm finding that this experience is so challenging personally to me that I'm, I'm growing in, in my skills. I'm growing in my ability to balance, even though it's still difficult. I'm growing in my instruction. I'm learning technology that I have, man, never haven't really used before. It is new to me. So I'm learning how to do that. I'm also seeing myself teach you know, between recordings or seeing yourself on Zoom, like I get to see myself all the time. So that that does cause a level of reflection where you're like, hmm, more of this, less of that, and making those adjustments. And I'm really seeing where this is going to impact my practice when we get back to the classroom, because there are things that I'm going to change and do differently that I just didn't quite see before, but I have a better picture of now. Africa, can I ask a question? I, you know, I think, Miriam, you're speaking to, um, you know, in terms of successes, right? Sometimes we, we, we get lost in the, all the difficulties and the challenges and, and the, the technology challenges specifically, um, you know, sometimes. And, and as we think about students with special needs, there, there's mm -hmm. an additional layer or two or three or four, right, of, of challenges. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I appreciate um, highlighting those those uh, successes while sometimes they might be hard to see, you know, important to highlight them. And you said something that um, that was really interesting to me in terms of as the adult, you said, I'm also experiencing, um, you know, some challenges myself, right? So learning how to watch yourself via, you know, recording and then reflecting on that and, and really leveraging that as a growth opportunity, you know, so we would call that an SEL skill, right? That reflective mm -hmm. um, sense of awareness, self-awareness as, as you navigate your own growth. And I'm curious uh, in terms of how you model that for your students, that sense of vulnerability, that, that sense oh. of reflection, that sense of it's okay for me to fail or not have the right answers um, so how do you do that for your students? Oh, I don't know how well I do that. Maybe I should be doing that better. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, obvi obviously, I'm, I make mistakes and things happen. And I think just kind of saying like, yes, that happens. Oh, I, you know, I, I do think acknowledging when like, oh, I mean, there's so many times you can even hear in our videos sometimes when we're doing it, you'll hear me and I'll be like, uh-oh, and then moving to the next one. And like, we're not cutting that out of the video. Um, it, and that's something actually, you know, even my, my co-teacher is very good at, he'll be like, oh, that's not. and like, uh, we make mistakes. Yeah. And um, it is a little bit harder for me personally to acknowledge sometimes because I really like to do everything the right way all the time. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm like that. I'm like, 
let's do things the right way. So, um, but of course mistakes happen. And I, and I think just saying it, I mean, the students see it, they usually laugh about it or even just like going through reflection, like we'll come back and, and like we have our classes alternating day after day. So like our group will hear like, okay, so we tried this and we found out it didn't work so well. So we're going to do this a little bit differently. Like having those conversations of like, okay, that didn't quite go exactly how we planned. That's not something we hide. And so I think that's the best way. I probably could be even more intentional about showing that though. Um, I do think that might be something that, you know, just from this conversation that I think I can take back and just be a little more intentional, kind of showing that, you know, nobody has everything together all the time. So it's okay if you have these mistakes, if it's okay if you're having that difficulty. That's right. And then personally with students, like I have a lot of check-ins and individually with them really affirming. I think that's where it happens more so like, yeah, that's a challenge. I understand that's a challenge for me too. Or this is, you know, how I've experienced that. Just allowing that vulnerability or that permission to say, oh, I I don't have this, right? Or I don't know it, or, you know, I'm struggling through this as well. Um, You know, is a really powerful way to communicate to students that they too, you know, that's okay to have that same vulnerability, that it's okay to say, I don't have it, right? We, we can figure this out together and, and we're on the mm-hmm. same, same journey. So um, I just wanted you know, to, to commend you um, on, on, on that sense of reflection because I think that's a really important um, modeling for, for our students, especially during these times. Yeah, that makes me, um, I was just kind of reflecting on how do we as educators um, continue to present more and more of the humanity of ourselves, right? And just that we are flawed just like everyone else. And although we, of course, maintain and hold high expectations for ourselves mm-hmm. and our students, it's okay to to fumble and to mess up. And in fact, we all mess up and fumble, fumble excuse me, um, often. So. Yeah, that's just something I think I'll continue to to work on as well. I'll um, move us forward just a bit. And Miriam, you spoke to a little bit um, earlier around some structures and strategies that you've created for mm. yourselves for self, mm-hmm. um, in relation to this idea of balance. What I'm hoping that we can um, lift up a little bit more is specifically around this idea of you having a co-teaching partner um, Mm -hmm. and kind of thinking about practices that you engage in regularly um, to co-plan, to co-teach while case managing. And I'll um, I'll just add that I think this is important even for for our educators who are not co-teaching, but are collaborating mm-hmm. with their general um, education colleagues and peers. It's like, so what are some of those go-to things that you're doing um, to make that thrive? Well, I guess the first thing is setting the time and committing to the time, which I think sometimes is the hardest thing for us to do because it's so easy to like, it's so easy to fill the time with other things. And this is important as well. So I think number one, prioritizing the time for that planning and for that collaboration is, is, is the first step and is what's really helpful for me. And then recognizing that 
that it is a partnership and it is a collaboration, which is also hard for me sometimes, which I'm sure my co-teacher would say, because I like, I definitely like to do things my way. And when I go into something, I'm like, well, this is the way we should be doing it. Of course, I think this is what we should do. And recognizing that everyone has something to bring to the table and like two heads are better than one. And so, and so even more, you know, the more that you can bring in, so recognizing like the way we kind of view it is, you know, as the general education teacher, as a, he's the content specialist, I'm the accessibility specialist. So he's bringing this perspective and then I bring like this, pers- you know, he's bringing the perspective of making sure we're getting all of the content, we're addressing the standards and needs. And then like, okay, so how do we make it accessible to students and that working together where it's not just one way, it's not just the Miriam way, it really is that mutually developed way. Um, and, and so one of the things that's been helpful is he has really, he's been a co-teacher. I, I don't know if I, you know, he's not part of this, so I won't say names, but he's been a co-teacher for many years and served our students um, with IEPs. He has understanding he's participated in the special education um, planning opportunities that we've had and some professional development. So there's understanding with the goals and kind of what that role entails. So I think that's helpful because he's really understanding where that perspective is coming from. So when I'm coming in and saying, okay, let's adjust this, let's adjust that. There's that shared thing. I feel like I'm kind of went rambling at this point. So for strategies though, so the time recognizing we each have something to bring to the table and honoring our expertise and recognizing that it's not just one person's way. The other thing is just by working with someone else, I think it continues to challenge you because it's so easy to just continue doing what you're comfortable with. But when you have that accountability that it's not just you, you're working with another colleague or partner, then you're coming to the table, um, coming up with new ideas, looking for new ways to do things and growing as an educator. That's wonderful. And, and, and what everything you said was highly valuable, right? To the ways in which that we engage in collaboration, right? And in supporting our students together collectively. So thank you. Um, and we'll kind of keep this idea of um, potential tips or advice. So um, as a veteran educator, special educator, um, who has served students with learning differences in many different ways, we wonder, I wonder if you have a tip or some advice for other teachers. So thinking about um, those new teachers or even those veteran teachers and and all of the hats that you must wear um, as in case management. What's some, something you'd offer? Well, the, the first thing I would offer, which might not be like the most exciting thing to hear is I would say knowing the IEP and understanding how that really does complement what you're doing in the classroom, like they do, they are two things that aren't separate and they are working together. So knowing what the accommodations and goals are, and then if it might not 
quite capture the student's needs, participating in the process so that it does reflect what the student needs. That's one really big tip. Also for our students with learning differences, we see sometimes where it, it doesn't always appear evident. You know, there's sometimes where you can definitely tell like, yes, this is a real thing that is being experienced, but sometimes our learning differences can be more hidden and it might appear as though it's lack of effort or something else and recognizing that a lot of times, especially once they get into higher grades, our students with learning differences and disabilities might be more resistant because you've been trying to do something so many for so long at some point and it's not working as well, at some point you become discouraged. And, you know, I experienced that, you know, as an adult, like if there's something I'm not good at, I'm just going to start pushing away from it. So recognizing that that really does have an impact. And then like specific in what are you doing? I would definitely say, and especially in this virtual world right now, checklists and being very, very clear about what is expected, when is it, when is it expected, and how do you accomplish that is the biggest thing. Because us as teachers, like we are the ones creating everything. So it all makes sense to us. Like we're going in, our Google Classroom makes sense to us, our assignment makes sense to us. We did this, it looks amazing. But through that lens of a child who has so many different things, they're not processing it the same way you are. And especially if you add potential reading disabilities or other things in the way, like they're processing it differently than you're processing it. And so the more clear that you can make it, just really those checklists, this, then this, then this, and this is how, you know, and not overloading, that's a really key thing. Um, especially when we're dealing with like multiple platforms, it seems so easy. You're clicking here and then you just do this and then you do that and then you turn it in. But it can become really overwhelming. And even for the adults who are helping them. Yeah, so, you know, I, I was curious because you talked about the calibration and the importance of understanding, you know, the, the goals and the IEPs and, and really making sure that, that we're actualizing those goals, right, or responsive to, to those goals. And so I'm curious, in addition to that, what is the role in, and or importance of the relationships that you have with the students in your caseload? Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, well, I mean, having a relationship with them, I mean, oftentimes that's, that's where those connections are made. That's kind of where you get to know those personal, those personal differences between how to approach them or how not to approach them, what really works and what doesn't really work. And it's just critical for that motivation to understand. Um, and, and it's, it's harder through the virtual world to make those personal connections because it's not always on our terms. We're not actually personally with people sometimes. So I have to kind of wait for you. Like I might be talking to you and I don't even know if you're there. I'm going to assume you are like we experience that sometimes, but the more connection that you can get with the students on your caseload, but also like in, in my situation, you know, I have students on my caseload, but I also have many other students who I am their teacher who might not be on my caseload, not minimizing that connection. Um, but it's just critical in everything that you do. You can't rely entirely on it, you know, and that's one thing I think sometimes like I can have a great connection with someone, but at the end of the day, I still need to make sure that I've provided the instruction that they need to move forward. And so finding that balance also between having that personal collection and then providing 
the content and the pedagogy to be able to address their needs. It's, it's just that ongoing, um, purposeful interactions. It, it made me think about in your reflections, like as the educator, I know how I expected students to mm. engage with this Google Classroom or this assignment. And what I hear you saying is the ways in which you design instruction and then also reflect and look for the gaps or the missed opportunities for students to mm-hmm. be able to engage in the learning, right? And that you leverage mm-hmm. those connections to really understand and pick apart if the strategy or the support that you're offering is really the fit for the student and their need, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's those are some mm-hmm. things that came up for me um, in your reflections. And so we're going to be kind of moving towards the end of our time together, but we really, really hope that you could share a hope um, that you have for your students in the months ahead. Well, I have two. Number one, just because it's, it's really at the forefront of my focus, is I hope that they continue to progress. At the end of the next few months, that measurable growth is something that I definitely hope to see, that there is progress. The other thing is that I hope that they would be able to look back at our time together and there would be more good, more positive than negative, like more of those little fun memories or positive experiences versus negative experiences. So those would be my two hopes. Thank you for that. And the last question will actually be a sentence frame. And I uh, teased this a little bit earlier, but it is really centered around perspective Mm -hmm. taking, um, which is Mm -hmm. our SEL theme for the month of January. And so I'd like for you to please complete this sentence for us um, as we kind of wrap up and conclude our time today. My perspective has been challenged or affirmed as a result of? All right. I'm going to say that my perspective has been challenged as a result of my own participation in this. I'm wondering if my perspectives as I talk about it, whether or not, there are still adjustments that I need to make within myself. Thank you. Thank you. I think that speaks to. Yeah, we, we didn't save and we didn't save an easy question for the end. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> My perspective. I know. I know. It's, it's how we roll in this podcast. Yeah. I mean, that speaks to that ongoing right. journey that we're all on. Right. Totally. Right. Um, and so Miriam, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to join us today um, and for kind of stepping out um, of the comfort zone and really sharing some jewels with our audience um, and fellow educators. Um, We appreciate you being here with us today. Oh, I appreciate seeing you all as well. 
Thank you, Africa. And, and Miriam, I too also um, want to offer my gratitude uh, for you to spend your Friday afternoon with us after I'm sure a very long week and in lots of lots of Zoom. So I, I do appreciate that time and, and just appreciate that, that gift of perspective um, and insight that you've shared with us today, because, you know, we know that um, your job is not easy and the duality of your role um, as an inclusive practices teacher, trying to case manage and, and support your students while also teaching content. Um, and I should say, and being a parent right now and, and working mm -hmm. from home, um, I imagine has its own challenges as well as wonderful things. But you know, just thank you for, for um, offering us the gift of your time today. So appreciate, appreciate you. All right, as we close, uh, please remember to stay SEL and continue to connect with each other. Capture this moment of Zen with our SCL theme song by our parent, Vernon Full Love. Take care.